Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Merry Christmas again as we continue the celebration. We're on day seven now, if I did my math right, Uh, but also at the end of a year and the beginning of another. And so with this, we get all these sorts of uh, comments and, and sayings that come along with this. Every year you get the same sort of things. I can't wait for next year to start, or I can't believe how bad year fill in the blank was, or this year will be different. And that's because every year we see the chaos of the world and diseases and death and political turmoil and civil unrest and society not knowing what to do with itself. And so the world looks at the changing of the calendar from one year to another, and they believe that like magic, something is going to change along with the date. That somehow, some way, all the things that have illed us, all the things that have ailed us will be put to rest, and a new life will dawn upon us. But the church knows better. We, dear saints, know better. The church knows that the world will continue in its destructive course, that plagues and wars and rumors of war and all manner of turmoil will continue around us, and that just because the calendar gains a digit, that these things will not therefore disappear. The church knows, we, dear saints, know, that the effects of the fall will continue until the last day when the Lord returns to make all things new. And this is then maybe the chief difference in the way in which the world celebrates the new year and how the church celebrates it. The world looks with anxiety and hand-wringing, hoping against hope that something will magically change. The world can't adequately explain why the world acts and does the things that it does and why we suffer as we do. And so the world also then cannot adequately come up with any solutions to it. And so the world continues in prayer and worship to her own gods, and she hopes that the silence from those gods will not continue another year. But the world's hope is also always fraught with sorrow Because in the back of her mind, the world knows that in the end, there's nothing ultimately to look forward to, except more death and decay. The church, on the other hand, we know that the reason for all the suffering and anguish on earth, the reason we must deal with famine and plague and hurricane and blizzard and all the other things we'd rather be without, is because humanity rebelled against the Lord in the garden. And since that day, all of creation now suffers the effects of that fall. And with this understanding of the problem, we also understand what the solution is. We understand that the Lord himself must come and fix what we have broken. And we understand that the Lord has begun that good work in his incarnation as he puts on our flesh and blood to redeem us. And we understand that this work has continued throughout his life and in his death and his resurrection and his ascension, and it will be completed 
when he returns to bring us to immortality and return his creation to its original glory. And therefore, the church celebrates the new year very different than the world does. The church celebrates it for what it is, another gift given to us from the hand of our Lord. And here we celebrate particularly the gift of time and repentance and the Lord keeping his promises to us. Whereas the world celebrates the year by leaving it behind as something terrible and hoping the next trip around the sun will be slightly less terrible, we, the church, celebrate it as the Lord continuing to bless us. And this then maybe should be our first lesson on New Year's, that we would be warned not to act like the world and run from something that is in fact not to be feared. We don't run from the world or from time or from anything that the previous year might have thrown at us. Because we know that these things are already defeated in Christ and being found in him as his creation, we are declared therefore victorious. The Lord warns us of this way of thinking in Isaiah. He says, in returning in rest, you shall be saved and quietness and trust shall be your strength, but you were unwilling. And then the Lord reminds the Israelites that they had become so afraid of those things which the Lord had already defeated for them, that at the threat of one person, a thousand fled, so that in the end, all that was left of the great nation of Israel was a single flagstaff on top of a mountain. And we should hear this rebuke and take it to heart for ourselves as well. We should be honest with ourselves that we've done the same and we should repent. We should recognize where we have not feared the Lord as we should and have instead feared something else, the Lord tells us not to be afraid of. We should recognize that we have not trusted the Lord as we should, and we have instead placed our trust in man or the things of man. And we should recognize where we have not loved the Lord as we should and have given our time and energy and other aspects of ourselves to things instead of the things of God. We should recognize these things, and we should confess our sins, trusting that the Lord will not hold these things against us because in Christ, his blood has already been shed for these sins so that we would stand before God not in, uh, not in condemnation, but in confident faith, in forgiveness. And so let us confess to the world that in this we are not afraid because we belong to the Lord. This then maybe should be the second lesson for us that all the things that the Lord might send to us, all the things that the world might throw at us, all the things that the devil might try to use to destroy our faith, that these things are already crushed. They can harm us no more, at least not in any meaningful way. They may cause us sadness or physical pain or even physical death, but they can never take us away from Christ. Uh, one of the great martyrs of the church, Justin Martyr, very aptly named, has this wonderful quote, and he says, uh, they can kill us, but they can really do us no harm. And this is what this is talking about. This is what St. Paul is pointing us at when he gives us these wonderful words from Romans. And we ought to have these on our lips. If, if there's a passage to, to memorize from Scripture, if you were to pick one, I think this might be the one. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is indeed seated at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am certain that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor power, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is nothing in all the world, nothing in all creation, that can separate us from Christ's love, particularly from his death and his resurrection for our sake. And therefore, there's nothing in all of creation that can separate our brothers and sisters from us, As long as they are found in Christ, and we as well, we are always with them. For not even death can separate us from one another, death being defeated in Christ, and that defeat given to us in his return. This then should be the third lesson of the evening, that Jesus is in fact coming back. This is one of the themes that you hear throughout all the the propers on New Year's Eve, that Jesus is coming back, And with that, all things are going to be made new, that death is permanently undone, that sickness and illness are a thing of the past, that hunger, famine, drought, and thirst will be no more. And so we rejoice that the Lord is coming back to redeem us and to deliver us from this present evil age and to bring us into eternity with himself. And with that, we remember that we don't know when that's going to happen, that Jesus is going to show up at a moment only the Father knows. It could be in 2023. It could also very well be in 3023. We don't know. And because we don't know, we therefore don't worry about it. Instead, we go through our days first rejoicing that he has indeed promised to come back for us, and the Lord does not break his promises, that he will not leave us as orphans, but will bring us to be with him. And second, because we have the Lord's promises, we live our lives not not in fear and trembling of the Lord might show up at any moment, We live our lives bodily and faithfully according to his word, always ready for his return, always being ready for the master of the house to come back by doing what he's given us to do. And we have plenty that he's given us to do. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so we live in our vocations as father and mother, caring for our children. We live in our vocation of child and spouse, supporting our family and honoring one another. And we live in our vocations of student, worker, employer, performing the duties as best as possible and caring for our communities as best as possible. And we live especially in our vocation of Christian, hearing the Lord's word, gathering to sing and pray with the saints of God, gathering to hear together the Holy Scriptures and to receive from the Lord's table with one another his body and his blood given to us for the forgiveness of our sins, but also as a pledge that he's coming back for us. And so as we go into the new year, let us live in this bold faith, trusting that whatever the Lord sends to us is for our good, that we would make a good confession to one another, that we would make a good confession also, though, before the world, and that we would be strong and steadfast in the faith until we are brought into the full glory of the Lord, either in this life or in the life at his last coming. Let us go into the new year and every day, learning to number our days, receiving from the Lord a heart of wisdom, and believing what the Lord has taught and promised us. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Merry Christmas. Please rise for prayer.
Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.